1: Welcome to the latest episode of the BRP, where we are celebrating two very special occasions. Firstly, the extraordinarily rare occasion of a home win. Yes, you heard me, a home win. And the other, well, let me just say happy birthday to every single Albion fan. Who knew that we would all have exactly the same birth date? Well, yes, of course, I am referring to... Brighton's 2-1 win over Blackpool and the fact that the club this week sent out happy birthday greetings emails to every single fan on the database regardless of whether or not it was actually their birthday I suppose like a clock that stopped um, it's going to be right twice a day there's probably a couple of times they got that right in all those emails never mind (laughs) Um, um, I am
2: uh, exclude the people whose birthday actually was from the apology email (laughs) or or whether they send that blanket email as well
1: yeah, ex- excluded from the initial email maybe. If not, yeah, excluded from the uh, the other one. It's it's a bit of a head case scenario, isn't it? Well, anyway, um in other news this week, um well we've um we've had the big news of Matthew Ryan Esquire. He's probably never called a Matthew, is he, really? Matty Ryan, um, has gone on loan to Arsenal. and um, we're gonna be getting into a big debate on that one, aren't we? Uh, fellow guests Andy and Peter. Yeah, Mike Tim. Um, we'll also be talking through a few other bits of Albion news and news besides um first of all, before we get going though, quick question um Have you ever heard of an Olympic goal being scored as opposed to just any goal being in the Olympics? Do you know what an Olympic goal might be? No, no, a couple of blank faces well. Good old Jake forster Kasky scored one of these a week or two ago, former Albion player. Um, It's essentially a goal scored directly from a corner, apparently. He scored one for Chelsea, his current club. Um, It's something to do with a key game-deciding goal scored in such fashion in a game between Argentina and I think it was Uruguay. Uh, or somebody else from that part of the world in a, a key Olympic match. And ever since then, apparently, that's what that's called. Never knew that until I heard it mentioned the other day. Yeah. Well, anyway, moving on. Um, uh, Tarek Lamptey, he's got a new deal um, signed till 2025. I think getting this in and getting it in early is is pretty good news. I'm sure you guys would agree if he ever comes back from his hamstring injuries, of course. Um, But, I mean, it's good news in general, isn't it, Uh, to get him signed up to a longer deal, um, following in the footsteps, of course, of Jason Steele the other week. Um, In news of kind of um, the the loanees on how they're doing, we've got Jason Malumbi. Um, He had a great assist for Preston in midweek in one of their goals. Ostergaard went close with a really good header for Kov. Taylor Richards continues to shine on loan for Donny, and Chris Hewton's Forest continue to struggle. They had another bad result in the league and the Cup this week, so things not so good for them. Um, guys, the main bit of news there, obviously, is about Matty Ryan, and we're going to have a quick debate on this one now. Um, Peter and Andy, you guys do not agree. I probably sit somewhere in the middle on this one, so... Um, Ryan's gone on loan to Arsenal for the rest of the season we knew he was probably going out somewhere because of the way the situation was he'd dropped down the pecking order quite evidently for whatever reason Um, Peter you're very anxious about this Andy you're pretty cool about it is the general summary Peter do you want to argue your case first
2: yeah um, just a couple of points I suppose I mean I I don't necessarily agree that Ryan was in as bad a form as some people are saying I think there's a lot of the, the goals yes he wasn't making that many saves but that wasn't because he was missing and missing shots and making mistakes. He wasn't making massive errors or anything like that. He was simply, you know, just there were just simply quite a lot of the time really good chances that other teams took. And that to me wasn't his fault. Now, if you want to then try another keeper because it's not going to be any worse, that's fine. And Sanchez has done pretty well. I don't have an issue with him keeping his place. Where I do have issues is the fact that suddenly you drop him to number four keeper behind two keepers who are, you know, not not definitely nowhere near as good as Ryan. And then, yeah, basically kind of completely, you know, push him out of the side, basically, of the whole squad. I mean, still being on the bench, even though this whole explanation by post doesn't make any sense, you have your second keeper is your second best keeper. Because if you have a keeper sent off after three minutes, you don't want your third or fourth keeper coming on because they're like, oh, well, they're kind of nice option or whatever. And my other big worry is, yeah, if if Sanchez carries on with good form, we're fine and it's fit if he gets injured or has a bad run of form, we're relying on, on a Walton, who didn't get great reviews at Blackburn last season, or we're relying on, or relying on Steele, who we know has mis- big mistakes in him, as in the Newport game, for all the fact he got lauded for it. In, in a normal game, he'd have just conceded a last bit equaliser and none of the penalties would have happened. So, yeah, I, I do have big concerns that if we, we end up with an injury to Sanchez, we look really silly and it's all of our own making because potentially of the way, without knowing any inside details, it just seems odd that we've dropped him dropped
1: to number four choice. Yeah, Okay. Well, that's one side of it. Over to you, Andy.
0: Well, I I was of the view that the club were right to uh, bring Sanchez in. Um, And this isn't so much to do with Ryan's form. I mean, I I, I pretty much agree with Peter, Um, although you'll you'll probably note on the XG um, that we've conceded um, far more goals than we should have done. Uh, now i 'm not trying to claim that that was exclusively ryan 's fault, but we had a big problem um, with set pieces um, and I think that may well have been the the biggest motivating factor b- behind the switch um, i as with so many other parts of the club, I trust Ben Roberts to know what was the best uh, um, best moment to make that change um, and um, that seems to have been the right call um, everything Sanchez has done since he's come in um, uh, um, has been reassuring so it's not so much that um, Ryan has deteriorated, it's just that our circumstances have changed such such that the, we needed a different style of goalkeeper um, and Sanchez seems to be ticking all the right boxes on that front. Um, Now, having said that, we are going to get mistakes out. Sanchez is 23. um, And he's what got a handful of of Premier League appearances under the belt so far. Um, There there will be errors in there. Um, But uh, to me, he looks like another really promising addition and... Uh, from and vindication of, of um, bloom's uh, um, academy hmm. uh, i can I can move on to to my views on ryan um, and I must say I was a little bit shocked that he went to Arsenal because I suspect that he may well actually end up on the bench at Arsenal uh, and not getting a great deal of game time my understanding was was that he wanted to play first team football so um i i'm, I'm a little bit shocked by by that uh I, I um in terms of the um i don't think that the club thought that ryan was the fourth best goalkeeper um i think that um and none of us know what was going on behind the scene, scenes um but he either took unkindly um, to the decision or expressed that he wanted to get out of the club if he wasn't going to be playing football. Um, So uh, I think his head was basically in the wrong place. Um, You mentioned already, um, Russell, that the club have extended Steele's contract. Um, And um, Potter, Potter seems to think and presumably Roberts as well, that still does a decent job as a number two, as a substitute goalkeeper. Um, in terms of Peter's point about if Sanchez gets injured on the 2nd of February, well, I kind of take this point, um, but you could make the same claim about Dunk or Webster or Mopey or Basuma, um, effectively. And I, I'm aware it, it, it might be, a slightly more concerning position. But it's unlikely, um, and I don't think you ought to kind of plan things around that. It may well be that we get um, a new goalkeeper during this window. To be honest, I suspect that that's unlikely. But also, I wouldn't be surprised if we got a new goalkeeper in, in the summer because Walton's contract has got six months left on it. Um, yeah, I might stop there. Hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, good points all round. Um, I agree, it's, I think Sanchez, fair enough that we gave him a go. I, yeah, as you said, we don't really know what's going on behind the scenes in terms of the reaction from Ryan, whether it was to an alleged bust-up that saw more pay also dropped, whether it was that, whether it was, wasn't, um, and if it was that, whether it was his reaction...
2: He doesn't he does sure. all of our players of a team player. He's, I would be surprised mm. if he'd had a real bust up with anyone.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, it seems, he seems unlikely, doesn't he?
2: I would not be surprised at all because he's very much that sort of character in a way. Not not a criticism, just the way he is, as in the Arsenal incident last year. But Ryan never struck mm. me as that sort of person.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I suppose the one thing that I should say that I haven't said is that Ryan's been a fantastic servant. Is Got us through our first three and a half seasons in in the Premier League, um, and I've been extremely fond of him. Um, hmm. That in fact there aren't many people left from um, Huton's days. I mean, I, th- I think mm. uh, it's just Dunk March. Um, Basuma. Uh, Bissou- well, Basuma didn't play that much. Pro- yeah. Proper was a regular, wasn't it? And um, it's good to see him getting more game time, again. As far as I'm concerned.
2: Yeah, I think I think we've missed him a yeah. lot season. For all the fact that he was written off in some quarters after struggling post lockdown last season, I think we've missed him a lot. And actually, I would play given the choice, especially if we need to, if we're playing at home to someone and we need to win. I would play Proper and Besuma in midfield.
0: Together. Yeah, I would as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's a curiosity and in, in terms of Ryan. I mean, yes, I, I agree with you, Andy. There was a little bit of a surprise on the uh, the choice of destination if it is about first-team football because, yes, I do think displacing no is going to be difficult. Uh, yes, that, I think they've got a European campaign ongoing, so they might spread things out a bit. And I guess that's where it maybe makes some sense. Um, what I can say is that uh, Arsenal fans that we've had on the show before, Jason and the previous season, Matthew, um have both uh, sent me messages in the uh, immediate aftermath of the news saying um that they were surprised but pleased um they thought it was a bit out of the blue obviously not knowing the circumstances we we had going on um but they both rated him they were both pleased to see him calm it wasn't as if they thought well oh, um don't really fancy that guy you know i think
2: they they had they sorry say had again peter a major a major weakness with Runiston, who obviously hasn't lived up to what whatever expectations they had it works really well for them in terms of you know, they've got reliable backup. And I think he will get games because they're still in the FA Cup. They're still in the Europa League. He'll get more games than he would get at Brighton, where he's obviously been decided he's, he, he wasn't going to be playing, um, judging by the bench recently. Mm. So, you know, he'll get more games. Never know, it might get end up in a permanent deal in the summer. If he if he does well, he Might yeah. Or he gets to put himself in a shop window in European games so maybe he will move abroad. And Brian presumably can stay at home as well. He doesn't have to move anywhere for now. Whereas in the summer, he might be happy to move for a permanent deal. But at the moment, he can stay where he is. So I think for both him and us, it's a really good deal. I just don't see the logic behind it for us, to be honest, unless he really has yeah. thrown his toys out the pram, which I would hope he hasn't.
1: Yeah, indeed. Well, I, I certainly echo what Andy said about, you know, he's been a great servant for us. He's been a good personality as well as a good player. Um, you know, very popular with the fans. It takes a lot of time after every game, doesn't he, to go, every home game, to go to the... Uh, uh, to the fans, particularly young fans, and um give away gloves and shirts and all sign stuff, whatever you know he takes a lot of trouble and time over that side of the game, which is great, seems like an all round good guy, and we certainly wish him well. If indeed this is the end of his time with us, which it certainly seems to be moving towards, doesn't it? Um, as we mentioned earlier, lampty certainly somebody who we're not planning to uh, to finish an association with any time soon. Got him onto a new deal to 2025. He spoke to um, BBC Sussex um, during the week, where he was uh, talking about how um, Graham Potter has been very good for him, knowing when to put an arm around his shoulder, when to um, you know when to be sort of tough with him, and um, he thinks he's a really good manager for him. And the fact that he's really enjoying being here, he's learned a lot already, etc. So, I mean, that's obviously good news. And as I mentioned also earlier, the Loneys seem to be getting on quite well with their respective um, roles that they're playing at the moment. Taylor Richards, in particular, is getting a lot of good notices at Donny, um, which is great to see. So, a lot of positives going on there. And we'll get to one one other positive, which is... I was going to say, the Lampy
2: one, I think, is a good deal around in the sense the club get him for, for a lot longer. He's obviously had a few injuries, so he's any interest may have dropped over. And of the big six kind of teams, I don't necessarily think need a right back at the moment. Yeah, I
0: agree with that point an awful lot. Um, uh, Those two points um, make me think that we probably won't lose him in the summer and may well have another season of him. Uh, I I am quite concerned about his hamstrings, though, because uh, um, players of that age, of that pace... Um, have struggled with hamstrings. You know, Michael Owen would be the most obvious example. Gigs mm. as yeah. well. Um, yeah, and that's our...
2: Yeah. There's been plenty of examples, isn't it? So it's kind of like, it does leave you, yeah, if you kind of lose your biggest asset, then you're kind often struggling quite a bit. I also I do think, yeah. conversely, it sounds crazy, and maybe, I don't know if it would be Zoom or if it would be white, but I do wonder whether the club need to sell someone in the summer, in a sense, not because financially necessarily like that, but because they have to find the kind of like in a way to attract the young players. They have to show that they can sell someone onto a big six club and we're willing to, to then kind of attract the young players who then might want to move to a big six club.
0: No, like- I, I, I think you're quite right there. Um, that's part that would be part of the plan um, because not only would that be the selling point, um, there's, there's a blockage in the system if you, if, if that doesn't happen. Um, And, you know, we've already mentioned that um, Muda and um, Kabalnik, if I'm pronouncing his name, Kabalnik, if I'm pronouncing his name right, well, you might become familiar with how to pronounce his name soon. Um, And it looks as though this Moises Casado is going to come in as well. well,
1: well, I I was going to make... I was going to make a point about, his Kabovnik, uh, I believe. Um, but I was going to make a point about him because he, obviously he's coming in. Bernardo's gone out on loan back to his old club, uh, Salzburg. Um, Kabovnik can, although he is predominantly left foot, he can play right side as well. So that prov- provides another element of cover mm. regarding, uh, Lampty, um, along with obviously people like Veltman and White and, um, but, Webster yeah, can play there in an emergency.
2: Played, um, against Leeds, played really well.
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, obviously Kubovnik is is there mainly as cover for Solly at the moment, um, and provides another degree of flexibility if you wanted to play both him and Solly further forward or whatever else we might come up with. But um, yeah, I mean it's, it's it's good to have to have them in, and, and welcome to Moda and to um, Kubovnik and let's hope they can do well for us as well. Um, certainly, there's a succession planning, isn't there, that goes on, and as you said, there there may be the potential for bottlenecks if certain players aren't sold on. Well, similar to time. You know, I wonder
2: it, the mid the central defence carries on like it is. You know, you've you've got so many young ones like this Van Heek and Ostergaard and mm. Roberts and know, yeah, all of them on. You know, we're yeah. kind of, doing okay on loan, and um, then Donkru signed in summer as well. And you, you need to yeah, you know, bring them through. Someone's got to move on, as you say. Mm.
1: Yeah, yeah, we yeah. got loads of them. And we we had that. To situation didn't we with Bournemouth where Cook and Elphick both ended up playing we let them go and they ended up both shining for Bournemouth all the way up into the Prem so you know we could have something similar happening again where whoever we let go Hayden Roberts being a particularly prospect amongst others um, you know you could see them further down the line appearing for um, another club in the Prem who knows this week
2: haven't we because obviously they decided he's further down the chain and, and they're talking about Van Heck. sounds like a a really good signing. I mean, he's supposed to be really highly rated in Holland.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's right. Andy, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, one last. In fact, it's to draw on another of our centre backs actually, um, and just to finish my point about Ryan, I think Ryan really missed Duffy's departure from the team because it was our central defensive that could deal with the the, the aerial threat. Um, and I know we did go through a, a phase in that first season mm-hmm. in the Premier League when we conceded an awful lot. Um, uh, I I was always of the view that that um, Webster was better than Duffy anyway. And um, he fits in with Potter's style of playing, Webster, Webster does anyway. But um, uh, Ryan really did uh, um, miss that kind of extra support. And I, I've been actually really reassured in the way in which Sanchez has begun to start to kind of take, um, come and claim balls at at corners, um, because that, that just completely changes the mindset because Ryan would never do that. Um, uh, um, Mm. for, for whatever reason. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I think, I think Hewton,
0: you know, for for whatever we love or,
1: or don't love about him, um, one thing it was was it was quite rigid in the system and I think it re- required a certain solid but but very immobile um setup didn't it which is what you've just alluded to there Andy and um I think you know without uh, Potter's much more of a progressive coach I think it's fair to say and he could see that there was that sticking point between between those elements and when once Duffy's gone and that's that's Born fruit, you know, that uh, Ryan's looking a bit more exposed um, through no particular thought of his own, just it's, you know, different circumstances for the same player. Um, then obviously the next progression was, in his mind, to to get a different goalkeeper that would fit the way he likes to play, which is, again, what we said earlier. But uh, I next, think, you know, it's, it's, one it's.
2: That you slowly lose dunk from the side. I mean, it sounds crazy, but he's the one of the centre halves who's the slowest for starters, which when you're defending further up the
1: field, yeah. it's an issue. Um, he's not. He any- is, but I, 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 I've, I've know, I don't, dunk- I don't see him as going there.
0: Yeah, I, I think, um, Dunk for the first few months of the season, I, I didn't think was in great form, but I, I, think he's really come back into it. I thought he was my man of the match against Leeds. Um, uh, I thought he was just imperious, um, and you can you can have a slower centre- centre-back so long as the others around him uh, are rapid. Hmm. And I mean, this is something that people don't get about Webster. He's really quick, really, really quick. And that enables us to push up the pitch and play a higher line. Is it, um, it's it's that year. even more than his ball-playing and ball-carrying skills.
2: was Arsenal um, last year, he did a brilliant challenge against Aubameyang when yeah. it looked like he absolutely did hmm. done him. Completely, and then he got back in time. Duffy would have never got anywhere
1: because
2: of its lack of pace. It's funny you
1: mention Arsenal, actually, Peter, because um, I remember when we played Arsenal in the Cup when we were a championship side, I remember thinking that we had a couple of players who looked quite pacey in our team, and I think it was Koscielny at the time, just very breezily outpaced them and took the ball away. And it just made you realise there's a whole different level Mm. and almost nonchalance uh, to, to the pace of some of the players at the top level. And I think. It kind of goes under almost unnoticed until you look at it in isolation. And I think that's what we're dealing with, with Webster. We've got those kind of players ourselves now. Um, I do think, yeah, we can. I think Dunk's got longevity in him with us. Obviously, you know, notwithstanding his age, but, um, in terms of his time with us at the top level, I think, um, I think it carries on because the reasons Andy said you can carry one player with less pace as long as the rest can cover for that. And he does provide a lot of things that do work well. Um, there isn't a problem. Um, in terms of other elements of his defensiveness so defensive play so i think i think it works well yeah, going forward. Uh,
2: and who who makes who gives makes way to give any young players a chance i suppose and if you get an offer for white or webster mm. or do you you know well maybe, um, I, yeah.
0: I i i think that the players that are most likely to go in this kind of conveyor belt system in the summer now um, are white white and consumer I mean, yeah. uh, we haven't on reasons, yesterday yeah. but, um, you know, we we all know that there are several clubs sniffing around White, um, and I'm not referring to Peter's second team here. <laughs> um, it's, it's most certainly not going to them. And I really enjoyed White's performance against um, Peter's second yes, team. Yes, indeed. Um, uh, yeah. And I thought White was one of our best players in there. Um, and he's grown into that um, uh, um, uh, central midfield role, um, and I love the way in which he broke, broke through the ranks. Which he, you, you can do that against Leeds because of the, the kind of more open hmm. system that they played. But I've I, I yeah, th- he had eyes he had on goal, didn't he, for a bit? I, <laughs> I thought he would, I thought um, you know he was just eclipsed by Dunk in that game, um, and your mate McAllister was extremely good in that game too.
1: Yeah, I was delighted to see how well he's doing um, in that one. Um, yeah, I, I, um, I, I do think timing, and answers to your question, Peter, from just now, timing is the thing. If, it, if it's a player who's destined to really be ready to break into the first team with a club like us in, say, two to three years' time, then maybe he's challenging Dunk for the position. If it's somebody who's ready in one year's time, he would probably get sold. Or as, as you said, someone else gets sold, but White is, is likely to go somewhere. Well, well, I mean, um,
2: White dropped this season; it was more kind of like future. Yeah, you know, it depends run. when. Yeah, so, now whatever if if say Van Heckers come in or or Ostergaard or whatever is coming and done really well. I, well do... I,
0: I, I suspect that the centre back that we're more likely to see next season actually is Clark, the one one that you haven't mentioned. Yeah. Um, he's he's yeah. actually despite the fact that Derby aren't doing that well, I think he's got some of the top statistics um, of centre-backs in, in, in the whole whole of the Championship. Um, yeah, and he's, yeah. he's also left-footed.
2: Yes, he's true. I, to be fair, I kind of forget him. He's a bit older. yeah, like 24 or something, isn't he? But yeah. yes, that's a fair point. He would probably be the top of... Uh, if they think he's good enough, he'd be the next in nine. Maybe for yeah. Burns. They've decided that Burns not quite...
0: You know, kind of not quite. Yeah, I'm perplexed by Dan Burns still, but... Um,
1: yeah, I'd mean, rather head. give I'd rather give Matt Clark a try into the longer term if he's left-footed and that's the you know the same sort of positions he's going to take up. Whether Burns' supposed flexibility to be a left back is part of the thinking there, I don't know. But but I'm not I'm not completely convinced with Clark. And I have to say um, he might be one that we end up selling and just make some money out of. Which we should. Um, I'm not yeah, sure, but
2: quite a lot of, of based on we think he spent about four million on it. Yeah, and we should double that at least yeah. in the best championships and halves. If you look at what we spent yeah. on. Web- I mean
1: That's right. Um, one other bit of Albion news before we move on to some other general bits to finish this first part. Um, Paul Barber um was talking to Talk Sport uh, sorry, to talk yeah, Talk Sport this week, um about this laptop initiative. I don't know if you heard about this. Twenty-five thousand pounds worth of laptop equipment um has been donated by the club to local schools um to help with home education issues. Um brilliant initiative, yet another commendable element to the Albion's uh, um, efforts that have gone on in these recent months. Um, pretty good stuff, eh, guys? i pleased to see that. I mean, it, it puts us in a good light yet again, doesn't it? And Paul spoke very well on the radio about it.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, um, uh, people like to jest about Barber, but he's, he's as good a CEO as you could hope for. Um, and that's another kind of PR coup on his behalf. Um but it is reflective of some really difficult times that we're going through. And um, uh, uh, I suppose the best way that I can put things, I, I'm, I'm not going to claim that I'm, I came up with this um, metaphor, but basically with COVID, um, we're all in the same storm, but we're all in different boats. Um, um <laughs> And some are in extremely precarious boats.
1: <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, well, well said. Um, yeah, I mean, just just um, on a couple of other things. Then, just to finish off this off. Um been keeping an eye on the Palace stuff recently. Just to have another quick swipe at them. Nathan Ferguson, one of the young players they signed, um, mm-hmm. who's who's actually been struggling with quite a few injuries, um, which is one thing. Um, but he's been agitating Palace fans on Instagram. Um, this week. It was actually to do with Lamptey um, and him getting this new contract. Um, there was Apparently he put up a post which had, um, they're obviously mates, and he said something about congratulations on the contract. And there was a picture of an Albion uh, badge icon in the background with Lamptey's picture. So it's quite Albion orientated, um, which has apparently got the backs up of a number of Palace fans, which is always amusing. Um, He's a young lad, obviously, you know, naivety's probably kicked in there a little bit, but uh, it's it's always good to see um, them getting riled up. And also Max Meyer, who of course was seen as a big signing for them. Uh, They got him on a free transfer, I think, didn't they? But um, he, he was on high wages. He was seen as a really big silky player. Um, signing to, to really spice their team up a bit and to take them into a different area, but of course they didn't factor in the Roy Hodgson effect, uh, which is not to change anything about the way they play at all. So of course he's ended up playing only 56 games. He's now gone out um, too silky for Palace, would you say?
0: Well, Maybe. I, I, Maybe. I I would say that I'm a little bit disappointed that he's gone because the rumour was that he was on 170 grand a week. And he could he could have stayed there on 170 grand a week, and not played. <laughs> they you do know how to run players,
2: don't they? If they got down, they could have confirmed if he could do it on a wet and windy night in Stoke on in a February. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's they've got so many players on crazy money. Um, really, not good, okay. is it? Not...
0: Do you um, yeah. um do you know um something else about Palace? I think all apart from um two or three sign-ins their contract is up in the next 18 months um so there's Mm. there's going to be a massive um churn of players um this summer absolutely massive churn of players and of course um, because two or
1: three of the ones they want to get rid of they're trying to get out on loan aren't they without success so far because of wages probably yeah well yeah they're, they're They've got an old squad, haven't they? You're right.
0: There is a rumour that Le Grand Samage is um wanting to sign Ben I Oh really?
1: Yeah. Le Grand Samage. So we're calling yeah, him now. I
2: can't see West Brom having the money to spend anywhere near Ben wages. I mean they seem to be pretty tight generally and you kind know, of like not wanting to spend much. Yeah. Going They're like,
1: generally seen as a well run club, aren't they, West Brom, which yeah. which precludes signing any players who are on palace wages. Um, ultimately, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, they seem to be quite happy to go year after year, just renewing deals for Bente- Benteke and for Hodgson. I mean, there's a lot of dissent. a lot of people not happy. That I've listened to their podcast this week. One of the presenters on the Back of the Nest podcast uh, described the club, the team, as stale, boring and uninspiring under Roy Hodgson. And it's he, he was not alone in that view. There's a lot of people think that way. The problem with they've got is that they tend to survive under him playing that way. And all the time they're doing that, they might well renew and renew and renew and just carry on doing the same thing, which means that they might stay there for a long time. They might, The owners might be happy with that, but I don't think that the uh, fans are going to be too happy into the longer term, just doing the same old, same old. It's the whole
2: be careful what you wish for thing, isn't it, though? Look at Charlton after Kerpishley, look at Bolton after Allardyce, look at stoke recently after pulis i mean he's had a couple of decent years but then went down and then you're left you're saddled with a load of players who aren't that interested on massive wages that you can't get off your books or you have to fund to get off your books as compared to us who obviously were you know much younger squad who even if we sold like five or six of our key players and made some big money we'd have a core of like young quite interesting exciting players who would you know whether or not they get up again or not who knows but we'll give it a real go in the in the championship and it's you know, it's a way of working. Obviously Palace are okay at the moment as long as they as they um you know, they stick with Hodgson and they you know they seem to stay up every year. But do they, yeah, do they want a manager who who doesn't have a shot on a whole game against their big rivals at home?
0: Yeah, I mean I will make the point that I've made made again. It it's really isn't fun being a bottom half Premier League team. Um it hmm. creates all sorts of problems. Um and yeah. I, I think the way in which our club is being run at the moment is doing what we can, the best that we can, given the circumstances. Um, We don't want to tread water at our palace. Um,
1: Yeah. Yeah. It can only last so long. And and if it's not progressive, you do think that at some point you're going to come unstuck. And the other thing is, if you say about the ageing squad and the churn that you've mentioned for players, which could cause some detrimental disruption, potentially. Um, maybe not, but it's likely that it could do. you um, have also got an ageing manager. And while, uh, you know, fair play to him going on into, he's well into his 70s now, isn't he, I think? Well, he's into yeah. his 70s anyway. Um, he can't go on forever like that. Um, there's going to be a point where he's not going to feel he can do the job anymore. Um, so at some point, they've got to make a change. And again, it's a, it's a delicate flower, you could, you could say, to just slightly borrow a, a Jurgen Kloppism from last week. He was referring to confidence of the team being a delicate flower that's been stamped on. We, uh, the the balance you get to stay in the in the Premier League as a bottom half club is also a delicate flower, and the um, change well, could well, be yeah, a stamping
2: as well. With De ball lasting what six games or whatever it was, or
1: yeah, yeah. No matter, even if you go for a reliable option that doesn't necessarily always work. I'm, I'm not sure Sam Allardyce is going to work this year for West Brom for various reasons we've discussed. Um, it might do in another year with somebody else. So there's, there's too many risks involved. But moving on, just the last couple of items in the first half before we break. And um, first up, just we mentioned on our last podcast, Peter, about Tom King, the Newport goalie who we'd faced in the Cup in his next match, and I'm glad it was his next match and not the one against us, scored a goal from a dead ball goal kick, um, which... Um, was against, uh, I've forgotten who it was against Deltman. now. Shrewsbury? Oh, Cheltenham, that's Deltman right. Deltman yeah.
2: played Man City last night.
1: That's right, with the same goalie um, in between the sticks, who, who himself is on loan, I think, from, from West the Premier Brom. League. But Anyway, Tom, uh, from West Brom, that's right, yeah. So Tom King, um, he scored what apparently now transpires is a world record distance registered for, for goal kicks. I guess that makes sense, because they tend to be drop kicks if they're scored by, scored by goalies. Uh, or clearances from the edge of the area or something like that. Um, but this apparently is registered as a world record. So congratulations to him, fair play. He's been all over the media this week and um, obviously he's enjoying it, but he's, he's come over quite well, actually, in the, uh, in healthy, the interviews. I too, so. think
2: you a goal from a goal kick stood, but obviously it does. I think it's kind of equivalent of an indirect free kick almost or something, or if it went straight in. But obviously obviously, it's never happened before, but obviously it is fine. It's, uh,
1: yeah, yeah. I haven't seen before. it a few times um, I've now seen it a few times, amazing kick I mean the, the, the sort of the whip that seems to be on the ball initially as he kicks it yeah. he got far more of a contact from his interviews than he, he expected, he was sort of taken aback by how much lift there was initially in the kick and then of course the panels.
2: I mean it literally yeah, it caught the wind first on the edge of the opposing area, I mean it was a huge kick, I, I can't believe he did that without any yeah. sort of wind assistance and also exactly. the wind and as and it after-
1: bounced, when, when it yeah, when it came off the ground, it was like a quite a hard hit volley, wasn't it? Yeah. If you look at the pace of the ball at the time. So, to be fair, I don't think there's anything the goalie could have done about that. To be honest, <laughs> <But it laughs> which sounds, sounds crazy for a 105-yard shot, doesn't it? <laughs> it
0: the the kick was actually when assisted and um, the if you remember when we played Newport, they play like us possession-based football, um, and. Yeah. Um, the manager was talking before the game, saying that the wind would would play a factor and try and exploit it. There we go, prophetic. Yeah,
2: it's not necessarily in that way. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> and
1: one record that is a bit more in debate is. Um, about the most goals ever scored in competitive games. Cristiano Ronaldo finally got another one after, I think, a mini-goal drought against um, Juventus uh, Juventus, um, in midweek, I think it was. Um, He's now scored 760 goals, which is an amazing achievement. Let's say that, first of all. That really is quite something. Um, For club and country, that is, the the overall figure. Um, It's been claimed as a world record um, in as much as he's apparently passed Joseph Biscan, Uh, Czech players' uh, record for club and country. Um, First of all, um, representatives in the Czech Republic have subsequently said that, in fact, Biscan has scored 805 goals. So uh, there's very much debatable situation here as to how many he scored. I'm not sure what the circumstances are that bring about such a disparity in figures. There is also a lot of debate around how many goals Pele and Romario from Brazil have scored in their time. They both claim to have scored uh, on or above 1,000. Um, the, the part of the problem with this is Pele, a lot of the goals were scored were technically friendlies, but there's an argument to say that they weren't really friendlies because there's regionalised events. That lead up to the main national tournaments, which should be considered competitive, or shouldn't they? And it's it's all a bit messy, which is a bit of a shame because you'd like to know for sure, one way or the other. But um, I am quite amused to think of Ronaldo, sort of having a little bit of a tantrum about <laughs> having not quite got the credits he probably well, does deserve and
2: um, their own goals. Can I just say I've scored two thousand, so I actually am top.
1: <laughs> is that in Sabuio? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's a crazy one. But but nonetheless, an amazing number of goals he scored. And uh, congratulations to him on on his 760th. Whether or not that's a landmark uh, remains to be seen. Um, So that's it for the first half. When we come back in part two, we're going to review that FA Cup match that we alluded to earlier on. 2-1 win for us against Blackpool yesterday, as we speak, Saturday. And we'll also have a look forward to the big game in midweek when we face Fulham at the Amex, looking for a second successive, yes, a second successive home win um, at the Amex after such a long time waiting for any. So that's all coming up in part two in just a tick. So welcome back to part two of the episode where we are now going to review the Blackpool game and a quick mention of some other cup sets, or in this case otherwise, there uh, hasn't been much exciting happening in the other results. Um, but for us, it's victory. We already knew who we were going to be playing at least a 1-2 scenario um, should we beat Blackpool. Um, we know the outcome of the other game as well, so we know it's going to be Leicester that we're playing away in the fifth round. That's because we beat Blackpool 2-1, guys. A home win, albeit against lower league opposition. Nonetheless, a treasured collector's item, isn't it? Um, What's your views on the game? Uh, Let's go with Peter first. Um, What's your overall impression of the match? And were you satisfied?
2: I think probably it summed up our season a lot of ways, except for the fact we won. Um, We had so many chances, especially the last half hour. Once we'd gone 2-1 ahead, we were dominant. I thought Blackpool were well in it for the first hour and deserved their equizer although they didn't do an awful lot in the first half and actually start the second half pretty well but once we got the second we were we were absolutely dominant we had chance after chance and didn't take them and didn't finish off the game and luckily because we were playing a league one side also with a number of players out through covid apparently there's like quite a few players not available we we got away with it this time and yeah we didn't really have any kind of you know kind of quite last ditch defending to be honest but so many teams would have punished us for that. The number of chances we created and missed was so was so frustrating, and we could have put it we could have put it to bed completely before then. But overall, we won. I suppose so. Home wins don't come around very often, so I can't really complain too much about that.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. In terms of chances, total shots twenty one, four of them on target, twelve um, off target, and five blocked against um, Blackpool. Stats were five, two, zero, and three. Uh, respectively, so and that kind of sums that up. Um, but yeah, we we certainly created plenty of chances. And um, Andy, um, what was your view of the game?
0: Well, I don't have a great deal to say about the game, to be honest. And unfortunately, Peter's said just about everything that I wanted to say. <laughs> I think the only thing that I can really add to it is that I thought Walton made one very very good save from Garbutt, who has obviously got a very good left foot. He came through Everton's ranks, didn't he? Um, he he was the guy that mm. crossed in, which you know we we've got to congratulate them for for that goal. It's a brilliant goal, but it wasn't the best goal of them. Yeah. But this needs to be mentioned. I mean, the the strike by Vissino was just just extraordinary. Um, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, and um, again uh I suspect that Basuma won't be with us for much longer and if 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 he can do if he can hit one two three um in the remainder of the premier league from from distance and i I would imagine that that strike would encourage him to shoot from distance a little more um then um the vultures will be circling around him all the more and and his price will perhaps be inflated i mean we we're getting very excited about prices. Um, I suspect the COVID situation may well impact on, upon that. Um, but we'll see.
1: Right. Yeah, I mean, he, even in that game, he had he, he was, you said that and being encouraged to try more. I mean, he did, didn't he? <laughs> Before and after the goal, he, he kept having pops. And they, they're getting closer more regularly as well, I think. And um, you, there's almost a danger here if he could become the... Um, open play equivalent of James Ward Prowse, couldn't he? Here at this rate, <laughs> you know, you're going to see him having a, a bit of space in that position in the field and start to genuinely worry every time. Um, McAllister's not bad from range as well, but Basuma is the specialist, isn't he, at the moment? A brilliant strike. I think it was in the 17th minute of the game, um, so it got us off in, a, in you know into, 20, into a good 20, stride. Oh, Twenty-seven. so Sorry, 27th Yes, you're right. I'm mixing games up. I think, yeah, and. You Know it set the tone really for uh, uh, for what I think will be a, a thing that'll carry on with him, hopefully, as long as possible. That will be with us. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that was definitely the best goal of the game. I agree with you, Blackball's goal was really well ro- worked down the left flank, back heel ball, first time cross, uh, striker, a journeyman striker to use my cliche of the day. Um steals in. Yeah, we could have maybe done more from a defensive point of view, but from an attacking point of view, it was, say, the back heel, the first time cross, he ghosted in, didn't have much to work with, got a perfect connection on it. The goalie, Walton, couldn't really do much about it, could he? And um, fair play to Blackpool. But we did create a lot of chances.
2: Pretty much summed it up, though. It's one of those, to me, that you'd be really pissed mm -hmm. off if you're a defending team, but also you'd be very happy with an attacking team, because we did turn off. I think we probably thought it was half-time and we kind of went to sleep, which we've done a few yeah. times in season, frustratingly. Um, yeah, I agree, Wilson, Yeah. Dunk, dunk should attract this man. Um, whoever was out, yeah, we should have stopped the cross. We should have um, Dunk should attract this man. But, yeah, it was well taken, good cross. But I think, in a way, the way we scored our goals makes me worry almost more. It sounds ridiculous, but we've we created so many glorious chances. And the two we took were a bit of a freak from Basumi. Yes, he can do that, but he's, he's not going to do that every time he shoots from there. And then a massive deflection, which... We, we obviously was very lucky. So in a way, it's like the fact that we didn't take the simple chances like Mopé's won 't near the end and that sort of thing. And we did, the only ones we took were a very difficult one and a and a, a lucky deflection what,
1: in a way. Sorry, what, what do you mean lucky? That was a brilliant bit of goal poaching from Alzate, wasn't it, Peter? A well-known goal poacher.
0: <laughs> well, that that was Alzate's first goal. But we have conceived yeah. so many goals as a result of deflection. So I think it really is about time that um, we got one... Um, at our, um, well at the opposition's end and I, I really hope we get a few against Fulham on, on Wednesday but perhaps, perhaps we'll, we'll come on to that in a little bit Yeah,
1: we'll wait and see. As as we record this, we're, we're speaking after Fulham have played their cup match which I um, won't mention uh, my faux pas with earlier on when we were talking um, somehow getting in my head that was a league game, I'm not sure why but it was a cup match they lost 3-0 at home to Burnley so Whether that's going to be positive or negative for us from their psychological point of view, I don't know whether they bounce back. We'll wait and see. But uh, we've got them on Wednesday. Um, In terms of this game, though, yeah, I mean, the negatives were, yet again, conceding just before half-time. Yet again, not converting enough of our chances. The positives were Alzati got his first goal. Basuma got another one of those goals. Uh, We won at home, albeit in the cup against lower opposition. Still a positive. And... um, you know, we, it was a decent game overall. I thought, a well, decent performance. I thought it was decent, but unremarkable, probably the way to describe it. Oh, it I'd felt say, like we could, have, we could have thrashed they're
2: them. They're a little away from playing in the Premier League regularly. Yeah. So, yeah, sorry, Tao
1: and, and who else? And Zakiri. They're Ta- I mean, who? They're, a, they're oh, a, way
2: Zikiri, yeah. a, a regular start in the Premier League. They might be the odd impact sub, but they're not going to be the answer yeah. if based on that one game. Obviously, it's only one game, but neither of them hmm. really did much, did they? It was... No, um, yeah, got more chances.
0: Yeah, I I don't have a great also don't have a great thing um, amount to say about the players. Um, I I was somewhat disappointed with Alzate's performance. Um, uh, uh, Veltman probably looked like our best player. I thought. Yeah,
2: I agree with Alzate. I think he was. He was a bit off the pace, generally, I felt. Like, he was a bit behind the... You know, whereas Proper, I thought, did OK and, yeah. you know, he should do it at this level and Batuma, but yeah. he was a bit behind them. I think... All the way a few times too many.
1: I think Feldman and Basuma, for me, were the, uh, the standouts. I think everyone else had an OK game, but they but they were... I thought they played really well and I, I gave my man of the match to Basuma purely because he edged it by, by having that cracking goal as well. Um, but, you know, it was, it, was, it was decent. The shots from outside you know, getting more dangerous, aren't they? We had Grosh had a shot. I'm not sure if it was inside the box, actually, which was quite close. McAllister had another shot, I think, which went close, apart from the one which uh, went off in a quirky direction into the net. Um, so we're having it, we're, we're taking shots more, it feels like. I think we're trying to be more direct with our shooting a little bit more in the last two or three games. I don't know if you've noticed that whether you'd agree with that um, and whether that's a deliberate tactic from Graham, I don't know, to get p- players to do that more. Um, I think McAllister is is a, certainly a, a non-coincidental element to that because he's one of the players that's always keen to do that and I've obviously been singing his praises in the past and glad to see him continuing to do well. Um, any other thoughts from the game? Are we we had we the more pay chance, didn't we, from, um, from the cross by Trossard. That was a shame because I would have won money on a three-one bet that I had, uh, which was my only bet on the match. Um, So that was a bit annoying. Morphy got on the ball, yeah, decent connection, but it was too close to the keeper. It was difficult to have directed it too well because it came at
0: pace. Trossard, um, who isn't everyone's flavour of the month at the moment, um, did uh, um, create some really good openings um, when he came on, Um, and. With the mopey one, he hit it with his wrong foot, and he hit it um, first time. Yeah. So I kind of take your point. The I, the player that I was actually slightly more disappointed with is Solly, because he had that opening where he eventually shot with his right foot that went, you know, round the post. He, he went back into travel. He he seems to require too many touches in in the box. Um mm. and I I thought he, he could have got a shot away with his left foot earlier, um, certainly. Um but yeah, I mean the the Mope one was straight at the keeper. Um that that and a decent height for him as well. So that that was a that was disappointing.
1: Yeah. And um in other cup news, the no cup sets at all in time. They have a great run. But we um, kind of unstuck this time, only just and um, 1 0 defeat Wolves. That was a cracking shot from range as well. Um, and a first, first go for club scenario there, too. Um, yeah, they lost 1 0. Adele, of course, has been in the, in the news having tweeted one of their. Uh, or liked one of the tweets um, to do with them singing her song in the changing rooms. Sheltenham, um, they were the ones that came closest to causing an upset this time out. Um, in fact, they did win me some money because I had a bet on Alfie May to score first. So I just fancied them to get off the mark, um, which I put on, I think, around about half time. And um, yeah, he scored the opening goal of the game, which won me about uh, 55 quid, I think it was, um, game on. And they held on until, I think, the 80th minute, roughly. City eventually running out 3-1 winners. But you felt that the other two goals they scored after the equaliser are the sort of goals that probably wouldn't have been conceded if it hadn't have been for that first goal. It was a matter of would they hold out or not, was all about. So, random close, a brilliant effort. It was the biggest free hit in history, according to Michael Duff, before the game, their manager. And it nearly turned out to be a, a striking blow, didn't it? Um, so, good efforts, Cheltenham. Hats off to them. It's getting to the stage as it usually does at this point, where it it then becomes a case of there's no real real romance underdogs left in the competition. It now turns to the likes of Barnsley who've got into the fifth round to be the teams that might cause a major upset um, at this point. Um, we're in, we're we're away to Leicester in the fifth round. Games are still going on as we speak. Let me go. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Leicester having beaten Brentford, it's it's a tough game, isn't it? Leicester away. Um, I don't think Vardy. But the good way. thing with that is, I think there's a couple of yeah, injuries. Yeah, Vardy Vardy's out for a couple of
2: weeks, and and De Bruyne for City was a huge one for like four to six weeks.
1: Yeah. In yeah, that's right. Which is all opening up for Man United, isn't it? Um, at the moment, in terms exactly yeah, what I the wise, heard the news it's- by
2: the Exactly, it's like, like you yeah. feel like it's their season. Yeah. Everyone else is getting massive injuries, and they're relatively injury free. And
1: yeah, uh, well, I hope. I hope Vardy can stay out just until we play Leicester because that might give us a better chance. As you guys were saying with us uh, offline beforehand, before we recorded, it's not a bad place if we have to come out of the competition. Getting to the fifth round, highly respectable, losing to Leicester, no shame in that. Um, unless it's nine nil, Southampton style. Um, but as long as we lose respectively, don't think anyone would complain. And if we happen to win it, great, you know, it's uh, we're into the quarterfinals for for a rare treat um so that's that really on the, on the cup side of things um we're going to do a full and previous one in a minute but just before we do a couple of other bits um, i've got some more beer deliveries in this this week and i'm really enjoying juice ipa by the three ravens brewery in in australia part of the beer 52 package pretty nice actually i've been really enjoying this in the second half of this podcast so far um peter you still on the beers
2: no i've, I've sworn off beers forever now
1: <laughs> uh, yes, on. Still on the, uh,
2: <laughs> definitely still on the beers I'm not sure how else I'm supposed to get through January when I'm in lockdown and working and yeah it's uh, it's hard to... um, well, you... another bit of Albion news I've spotted recently it seems to be talked about at the moment there's rumours that um, Simon Rusk is going to Stockport
1: oh really? oh right okay. yeah, and the rumour I've
2: just seen on Twitter is that he's going with Mark McGears' assistant whether that's true or not I don't know but it's uh, a bit interesting oh wow <laughs>
0: But if that happens, then get on him. And that's all part of the conveyor belt um, idea.
2: Yeah, exactly. And it, it makes it easier to attract another person into that job. Um, you know, look today at Luton, obviously, with Chelsea, with um, Nathan Jones has, has done really well there, although he obviously had a pretty bad spell at Stoke in between, but it just come through, you know, was obviously Albion and other people. Liam Rossini is now officially assistant to uh, Wayne Rooney at, um, at Derby. We've had quite oh, yeah. a few people who've been involved um, in the club who are now moving into yeah, better senior management positions at other clubs.
1: Who was who Rusk linked with before a few months ago, wasn't he? There was, was somebody.
2: At one point, wasn't he? Cambridge.
1: That? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so that's that's interesting. Well, it's, it's, good luck to him if he does take that up. We'll we'll keep you posted on that one, I'm sure. Um, Another just on the, on the beer front, I mean...
2: Was um, Colin Calderwood, of course, going back to the AmEx yesterday?
1: Was that, was that a... Yes, that's right. Yes, yeah. Called way back. He went on to bigger and brighter things, apparently, didn't he? That was the uh, what they were saying at the time. And I think I can't remember where he went, but he it, it didn't Miller. go too uh, well, did it?
2: Villa, Villa,
1: yeah, that's right. to the Villa. Yeah. So that's when they got relegated, wasn't it?
2: Uh, uh no, it's when when they were in the same division as us in the Championship.
1: Oh yeah, okay, okay, fair enough. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I mean, just go back on the beer front. I mean, you, you say you were off the beers. It, I'm surprised, right. Peter, because um. <laughs> um well you're, you're supposed to be the uh the, the raucous one i'm mr sensible of course um if anyone's been following northstand chat which I, I rarely do to be honest but there was a an article um a few days ago or a couple of weeks ago actually now um on albion podcast so quite a few people haven't heard of us so anyone that has subsequently started listening hello to you all welcome please listen keep listening um I am the one described as grounded and mature. And that's probably the first and last time anyone has described me as that. Uh, but thank you very much, anyway, to whoever that was. Um, yes, um, that's me, the presenter, the g- grounded and mature Mr. Russell Guyver. Um, there's lots of smiles going on in the background here because you, you know me too well, guys, don't you? Um, but I know it's it's great to get some coverage on there. I mean, we there's a few podcasts that it seems apparent people haven't heard of. I think it's still, although it's a hugely popular market nowadays, a uh, popular thing to get into, I think there's still a, a pretty sizable chunk of the population don't listen to any or at least many podcast so i wonder if there's a lot of growth potential who knows uh, for us we'll have to see but um things are picking up aren't they bit by bit it's good to get more listeners so welcome to you all if you are new to it um please stick around and if you can give us any reviews particularly five star reviews and written reviews then please do every bit helps for our rankings and something's over the algorithms which i don't understand um so that on, the, on that matter we will now move across to talk about the big game coming up on Wednesday evening, it's the Fulham match at the Amex. Can we win two home games in a row? We really, really could do with winning this one, couldn't we? Because it's uh, it's a, a proverbial six pointer, you could say. Um, we can really put some distance. And he's smirking, he's going to answer to that one. Um, we really could do with um, with putting some major distance between Fulham, which is what we would do if we were able to win this game. Um, we should mention Fulham have, have lost. Um, in terms of games in hand and Burnley during the midweek since our last podcast, so things have fallen into place. But to win on Wednesday would be huge, wouldn't it, Andy? What do you yeah, think? Of, We're going to of, do it?
0: Of course, it would. Um, although I think I'm probably of the view that um, if I was if I was offered it, I'd take a point now because it it maintains the gap. Um, The Fulham are not unlike us um, up until the Leeds game. They're playing pretty well, actually, um, but they're not winning. Um, They're drawing an awful lot of games. Um, I saw a little bit of their game against Burnley um, and they've made quite a few changes. And I saw the second half of their game against United. Um, they, They looked solid. Um, and creative. I mean, um, Lo- Loftus Cheek has playing really, really well. Um, then, um, so yeah, I'm I'm a little bit nervous about this game. Um, hmm. The other thing that I'll just flag up is um, we've got February's fixtures looking really kind of quite important. We've got what is it? Hmm. West Brom, Burnley, Villa, um, yeah. and. I think someone... Is it Newcastle? Is it Palace in there, I think? there We've got Liverpool, haven't we, at the beginning of the month? Yeah, there is Palace in there. Um, And I think if we can get a minimum of two wins out of February and Fulham um, uh, and not losing to our kind of direct relegation rivals, I I would be happy with that. Um, Because I kind of reiterate the point that I've made a few times in the past. I I just can't see that the survival total being that high at the moment. If you you consider that um, we're halfway through the season, I know know Fulham haven't quite... They're still on 18 games, um, Mm -hmm. but they're on 12 points and they're they're in um, third from bottom. So if they replicated that form in the second half of the season that's 24 points now i'm not trying to claim that the survival total will be that low but i can see it being 30 32 33 something yeah. like that i i would take survival um i really would um yeah,
1: right. yeah i mean if you if you lose the game to fulham all all of the it, it twists week to week doesn't it it feels like the end of the world when you've lost and it feels like you're on walking on a high when, you, when you've won. But week to week, it can twist so rapidly one way to the other. And for all of the good results, when well, we weren't even playing in, in this midweek, just gone with drop points here and there, all of that is undone instantly if we lose to Fulham because not only do they gain the points back that they've lost in that match, um, but they also get a new head of um, headwind, don't they, as well, which is worrying because they're already growing a bit in confidence, or they have been, Um, So if they were then to subsequently beat us, not only do they gain the points, but they they gain the psychology as well on us. So it's vitally important we don't lose the game. I think ultimately, yet another home draw against a team in the bottom third of the the table wouldn't be great, obviously. Um, But ultimately, if we did draw, not the end of the world. However, I mentioned the Blackpool game. Of course, it was our head-to-head record with Blackpool was 10 wins, 10 draws, 10 defeats before the game yesterday. Um, the head-to-head with Fulham is is curiously quite even as well. Only six games drawn between the sides, including that, um, well, yeah, but six games altogether. We've lost 23 and we've won 22. So if we win on Wednesday, that becomes completely equal as well for what, for what that's worth. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a massive match. And uh, it's one, as i said we, we have to avoid defeating that's that's going to be the crucial element um if I could tailor it, I would like Fulham to survive and us to survive because I like them as a club, good fans, nice away day if we ever get to do away days again um but at the moment we we can't afford to stocking, you know selective on that that sort of detail, not that we have any choice in the matter or any any effect on the game at all, but I would like us to get the job done, get the win and start to really look to go up the table. One thing to mention as well, we've been talking about Newcastle quite a bit. They lost again uh, the other day, and as a result, they've dropped below Burnley on goal difference by losing. So they are the nearest target now to to the Albion and to Fulham, um, aside from us. Um, with just two points in it from the same number of games played now. And they've got, I think, a tough fixture coming up. There's also Fulham versus Burnley, I think, to play in the league soon, or is it West Brom and... It's West Brom, of yeah.
2: playing the weekend after. Oh,
1: West Brom, Fulham, that's it, yeah. yeah. We have under- yeah so there's some-
2: what we're saying about, you know, if we lose, we top two tough yeah. games, we be in the bottom three. But um, I was going to say, back yeah. up what Andy was saying, from Wednesday, which is 27th of January, up till the 27th of February, which is um, 32 days, I think I worked out. We have seven league games, um, which is huge. I mean, yeah, obviously Liverpool and Tottenham are tough ones, but as you say, it's, uh, Fulham, Burnley, Villa, Palace, West Brom, we we need this has to be a big month plus obviously Leicester away in the cup as well now. We have to really really have to make this month count if we're going to pull away from it starting off with Fulham and I actually wouldn't take a draw with Fulham. I think we we must win a home game soon and I think this is our best chance obviously having failed already to beat the three teams e- either side of us. I really think that we be such a big drop in, you know, kind of it would be a real uh, kind of blow again to not win even if we drew. To fail to beat a bottom three team again, have the way we play the season, and I think we
1: yeah. Oh, don't get me wrong. It would be a huge stress factor coming back in if we draw because it's just another two points less than we we know we could get, yeah. and yeah. it makes such a big difference we, to get the win.
2: The more the longer this whole home record carries on, the worse it gets. And obviously, on paper, it's the, mm. it's the best chance we've got of getting a home win all season now. So, I, I, I definitely wouldn't take. I mean, obviously, being Brighton, we could easily go and lose to Fulham and then beat Tottenham. That could easily happen. But um, Tottenham aren't in great form at the moment as well. But uh, yeah, I, I think we really need to win on win our game, and that would actually yeah. leave us be comfortable. Yeah, eight points ahead with a game in hand. We'd you know would put take the pressure off for of Tottenham and Liverpool.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Speaking, I, I spoke to a Spurs fan um, actually the other day. He's, he's 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 a bit mouthy. He Keeps going on about. Um, how that, yeah, watch out for Son and Kane, we're going to come and destroy you, blah, 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 blah. He says this every time. He's not learning from his mistakes yet. And I just, just replied and said, Well, you're going to need the help of the referee again this time. Uh, but, uh, you know, if we don't get the help of the referee going against us, maybe we're in with a better chance. Um, who knows?
2: Well obviously that's um, we had a pretty good
1: result at home for them. Yeah, three 0 we'll t- I'd take that in that game. But anyway, we'll we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. In the meantime, it's the Fulham match. It's a big one. Uh, we were hoping to get Andy's Andy other Andy, Andy B's um Fulham friends back in to, to speak, but they were busy. So unfortunately we've got a chance to speak to them maybe maybe at the end of the season we'll uh, we'll have a chat or something like that and see how the seasons to. pan out. <laughs> they might not want to, yeah. Want I mean I honestly it. would like I would like both of us to survive if it's possible. Um, But, you know, beggars can't be choosers at the moment. And that pretty much rounds it up for this episode, guys. Um, So thank you to Andy Kay and to Peter for joining joining me. Um, 2 1 win in the cup. Um, We continue, we go on, and uh, well, live to fight another day. In the meantime, Peter, stand or fall? Up the Albion. Sports
2: Social Podcast Network.